In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Many of us are old enough to remember the 60s and the cultural phenomenon known as hippies. Some of you might have had first-hand experience with such items as tie-dyed t-shirts, bell-bottom pants, oh, those are horrible, granny glasses, peace signs, long hair, and of course pot, although I'm sure none of you inhaled. Another name for hippies was flower children, and their slogan was, remember, tune in, turn on, drop out. I would like to suggest that deacons were the original flower children. Before Timothy Leary, Bob Dylan, Jefferson Airplane, or Woodstock, there was a special group of people who felt a call to tune into God, turn on to the service of others, and drop out of the societal rat race. In short, I would like to suggest to you that the ministry of deacon has always been and always will be profoundly countercultural. Let's start by remembering that the order of deacons was from its start based on an ethic of service service to others. This is totally radical because serving others has never been a goal of secular society, either now or in the first century. In our gospel reading, Luke tells us how Jesus turns the tables of rank and status. Who is greater, the one who sits at table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who sits at table? But I am among you as one who serves. The first deacons were created when they were appointed by the apostles to literally serve tables. And being a waiter was hardly something one aspired to as a career move even then. In a period of history where there were no social services or governmental food programs, It was the deacon's job to take care of those who were hungry or otherwise needed help, especially the widows and the orphans. While the apostles and later priests devoted themselves to prayer and the sacraments, it was the deacon's job to do the heavy lifting of caregiving. There's a wonderful quote, I think it's from the 4th century church historian Eusebius, who describes a Sunday morning in Rome when he says, After the sacred liturgy was over, the streets rang with the footsteps of the deacons running to bring food to the poor. Can you imagine what wealthy, toga-clad Roman aristocrats must have made of that? The deacons must have looked like the Occupy movement. Talk about countercultural. And yet deacons had and have an important role in worship as well. The two important liturgical roles reserved to them, reading the gospel in the midst of the congregation and preparing the altar, handling bread and wine just like the waiters would do, 
were intended as a visible reminder to the worshipers that their baptismal vows also called them to seek and to serve Christ in all persons. So the first part of the Flower Children's motto applies to deacons as well. Deacons call all of us to tune in to God by our participation in the worship of God in church, although it is a worship which is never self-absorbed or pietistic, but a worship that points us beyond the altar and into the world. A church I know in this diocese has a sign over the main door that you can't help seeing on your way out of church. It says, the worship is over, now the service begins. That is why in our tradition, Sunday worship should always include deacons. They have an important role to play in the sacred drama that we enact at the altar. I wish that I could bestow on our new deacons' vestments something like the ones that I saw in the Greek Orthodox churches in the Holy Land. They were spectacular. They were woven from what looked like pounds of solid gold thread with great sweeping floor-length stoles and some other strange accessory, which I had to look up, that's called an epigonation that looks like a giant jewel-encrusted handbag. They, they wore more bling than the Greek patriarch himself. The role of our deacons at worship is less glitzy in our tradition, but is no less critical. But a deacon is far more than just a liturgical assistant. He or she is also entrusted with a special kind of teaching ministry for the church. By their ministry outside the church building, they call us to turn on to Christ through service through others. When a candidate for the diaconate goes before the Commission on Ministry, the first question that they are asked is, how is it that you serve or will serve the poor and the forgotten? We call this the diaconal voice. And for all of our Arizona deacons, it can take a different form. Some find their voice in advocating for those with disabilities, others working with the clients of soup kitchens or by visiting the dying, talking with college students, or working in a migrant clinic on the border. I often ask congregations this question. If Jesus were to come back today, where would you find him? Deacons know the answer. We would find Jesus not just in the pew or at coffee hour or at potluck supper. We would find Jesus outside these walls, in the face of the frightened child and her parents in the pediatric ward, or with the prisoner in the county jail, or alongside the single mother in the unemployment line. Deacons remind the rest of us that if we want to follow Jesus, we first of all have to be where Jesus is, not only sitting in church, but out on the streets. Again, this witness is radically countercultural, especially for the culture of the church. This leads me to the final way that deacons are anti-establishment types. They drop out of our consumerist and secular society 
and instead cast their lot with the poor and the oppressed. This often gets them in trouble, and it can even get them arrested. Still, that is what they are called to do. Our former archdeacon, Veronica Ritson, once half-jokingly said that a deacon's job is to be a holy pain in the butt. (laughs) Actually, she put it a little stronger than that. And that has been a phrase that has struck with me ever since. Because deacons identify themselves so much with the poor, they can't help but interrupt our sedate worship services and cry out, Look, people, there are women and children who are hungry and in pain right out there on your doorstep. Hello? Now, you would think that this advocacy role would be something that all church leaders would be doing, but allow me to let you in on a little secret. Once a priest gets ordained, and once he or she starts getting a paycheck, their position is somewhat compromised. Taking on an unpopular stand from the pulpit, directing church funds away from coffee hour towards community service, challenging people to open their wallets, making the church building a sanctuary for the down and out, try those things and a clergy person runs a high risk of losing his or her job. To be ordained is always to be caught in the tension between proclaiming the radically liberating message of the gospel and maintaining the status quo. Following Jesus is a life-changing commitment. And yet many, for many in our church, that is something they don't want to hear about. And they are likely to resist with every ounce of their strength. But deacons have the luxury of not being beholden to anyone in the parish. Not only because they don't get paid, but because they don't work for either the vestry or the rector. They work for their bishop. (laughs) And that gives them a kind of ecclesiastical diplomatic immunity. Now, I should warn you new deacons, this immunity is sometimes uh, resented by the priest. I love to tell the story of my friend, the Bishop of Iowa, who, when he took office, decided to allow deacons to vote in diocesan convention. Now, this has been the practice with us for a long time. But when the priests found out about this, they were quite upset. The deacons work for the bishop, they complained, and they will vote any way he wants them to. (laughs) They will have too much power. So when the deacons found out about all this griping, they were so incensed that they decided to overstate their position as the bishop's protectors And at the next convention, they all dressed in black suits, wore dark glasses and earpieces, and surrounded the bishop like a gang of secret service agents. (laughs) Now, that is not exactly what I'm talking about when I remind the deacons of their freedom from parish control. I would instead hope that they would use their special status to model to their congregations a Christian way of living that does not have to follow the rules of polite society. That being a Christian means challenging the materialistic 
and self-destructive values of the world, and that we too can drop out of that rat race and instead be a prophetic voice for those who have no voice. Jesus' words and actions managed to offend virtually everyone in his society, from the religious leaders who had sold out their pastoral office to the political leaders who cared only about advancing up the imperial career ladder, to the Pharisees, the good church people of Jesus' time, who felt their smug religious scrupulousness guaranteed them a ticket to heaven. Jesus, of course, was the ultimate countercultural figure. He even alienated his own followers, who thought that the solution to the problems of Israel would come from a politically savvy Messiah. In the end, Jesus turned off so many people with his teaching that he found himself facing execution alone. Deacons must help us remember that Jesus' radical message of love, forgiveness, and renewal should make every one of us feel uncomfortable. Through their role as holy pains in the butt, they push us off our comfortable pews and into a hurting world. They are anti-establishment people who have infiltrated the heart of structured establishment religion. They are not just servants, they are also prophets. And as Jeremiah reminds us, being a prophet can be a scary job, but like any job we do for God, we need not be afraid. Now, in the past, I've given our new deacons a little symbol of their ministry. One year, you might remember, it was a little towel to fold over their arm or wear in their belt to remind them of their job as waiters. And I saw some of our deacons, they still have their little towels. Thank you very much. Today, in keeping with my claim that our deacons are the church's flower children, I have a little something for each of them. So I would ask our deacon candidates to please stand. Stay standing, please. My colleagues in ordained ministry, there certainly was a lot of silliness and sometimes destructive excess in the flower power movement a few generations ago. Still, those young people made a difference. Their own prophet, Timothy Leary, summed up, hippies started the ecology movement. They combated racism. They liberated sexual stereotypes, encouraged change, individual pride, and self-confidence. They questioned robot materialism. In a few years, they managed to stop the Vietnam War and made our country a kinder, and gentler place. Not a bad record. Deborah, Denise, Pixie, Susie, and Roger. 
I hope you will carry your flower with you today and in your heart through the rest of your ministry. Please remember that we are looking to you to help us tune in, turn on, and drop out in the best sense of those words. Tune us in to God's help. Help instill in us a radical devotion to God through worship. Turn us on to the love of Christ through selfish service to those whom Jesus stood with, the oppressed, the forgotten, and the suffering people of our time. Help us drop out of a world dominated by greed, status-seeking, and violence. That's your ministry, and it's our hope. Can you dig it, man? <laughs> Groovy. 